Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. Today, we are going to be talking about The Last Wish by Andrei Sapkowski. It is the first in the Witcher series. Um, it's divided into seven short stories. So the show is going to be formatted a bit differently today. We're going to do the character's plot and then conversation about that story and then follow from there. The first short story is The Witcher. So we have Geralt of Rivia. He's the main character. He is a witcher. He's essentially like a bounty hunter. He kills monsters for money. He's described as having long white hair and if you've seen anything about The Witcher, the show, you know, he looks like a dirty Henry Cavill. So beautiful. Yes, this is like Marissa's dream. This is my, this is my everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the like second kind of main character in this story was Fulthist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the king. And his daughter is Astriga. And so he's been looking for someone to break her curse for years now. Yeah. Okay. So in this story, Geralt arrives in Wisem looking for work when he is confronted in a bar. Geralt just wants to enjoy his beer, but these folks are trying to pick a fight. So Geralt follows through, uh, but he kills them, which is not ideal. And it draws the attention of the guards in the town. And so Geralt uses magic to get them to take him to their leader, a Castellan called Velarad. Geralt questions Velarad about a notice that he found guarding a monster in a castle, and he learns of a Striga, which is a human-eating monster that emerges around the full moon that has plagued the area for around seven years. The king, Foltest of Temeria, desires that the monster be subdued, not killed, because it is the cursed child of his sister, Ada, who died in childbirth. And also this Striga is his daughter. So we've got some incest, folks. Many have tried, but none have succeeded in breaking the curse. The curse. And so Geralt meets with Foltest to gain more information about the situation and decides to have a go at uh, subduing this creature. But it's not that simple, though, uh, because if he kills the Striga, then Foltest will have him killed. And so the Striga is a princess, and he would like, just for her curse to be broken, to subdue it. He has to stay in the castle with the Striga all night, and it must stay out of its crypt until dawn after the third crow of the rooster. So will Geralt be able to defeat the Striga and survive? I don't know how we're going to do spoil like spoilers. Spoiler, I guess. We're going to talk about all of the things. Like, so whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the first short story. Mm-hmm. This one, this story. So this book very, um, very closely follows a lot of the episodes that happen in season one of the show. So this short story is um what 
episode three in the first season is based on. Okay. So um, I haven't seen the series. And I have watched it like nine times. Uh, but, but while I was reading this, <laughs> I thought several times while reading this book, I went, oh, I'd like to see this like a live action. Like, and then I was like, it is one. I mean, like it is one. So <laughs> I think I'm going to have to watch it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So we could co-watch it. Do you want to co-watch it? Sure. Like Zoom watch? Okay. I'll watch it with you. I freaking love this show. I have seen it a stupid amount of times. Um, In part because I just adore Henry Cavill as Geralt. I think he is brilliant in this role. Um, But also he is very beautiful in this role. And I, after seeing it the first time, tried to manifest Henry Cavill into my life for like a whole year after. And it didn't work, but I'm not giving up. So um, yeah, if you want to Zoom watch it, we'll Zoom watch it. Yeah. So so with that, I would say they, they did change a few things in the show to make the situation in the show work for what's happening in the story. But they're able to pull out, in most of the short stories in this book, they're able to pull out a lot of elements from the book and integrate them into the TV show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so I really went into this with like no preconceptions other than like what, you know, Henry Cavill looks like as his character. <laughs> That's like all I knew. <laughs> I'm reading this and like, yeah, at least I have a picture of him in my head. Um, so, and I knew he like killed monsters. So this was, I just went in with no preconceptions. So it was really interesting. And um, it seems like most of the short stories are like fairy tales. Yeah. So was this, I, I, I wasn't really sure. Is this supposed to be like Sleeping Beauty? Is this one Sleeping Beauty? So I'm not, I don't know that we could make this fit exactly with a, a specific fairy tale. Right. Um, there are either the, or the short stories are patterned after, or they mentioned uh, like divergent plot lines that would be related to a fairy tale. I don't know. I don't know if we could call this um, Sleeping Beauty. We we might could call it. Um, what's the one where the princess is a swan most of the time? Princess and the Swan. Oh, is that it? Yeah. So I don't know if it would be kind of like a combination of that. Or because there's not like a Disney movie where the princess is a monster. Shrek, maybe? I don't know. There's not, there's not like a, there's not a Disney crossover real specific here. Um, I would say you could, you could probably adapt it or put pieces of it to different stories. Um, right off the bat in this one, we get like some witcher hate. I know instantaneous why just wants a beer he just wants a beer and a place to stay and these rude people are like you're not welcome here so what does he do he whips his sword out and murders them okay which I think is kind of it's an extreme response 
it is an extreme response. We know why he does it too. Like he did it to get attention, but like, he's like super, he has this code later on in the book about like, I don't kill humans mm-hmm. sort of thing. And he's just like slaughtering some people here. Like, I know he did it for a reason, but whatever. Yeah. I just thought it was I mean, interesting. He was about to be attacked. I yeah. Guess. I, like, he didn't have to kill them. No. They probably would have tried to kill him. So I don't know. It is a bit of an extreme response, but whatever. Um, uh, I we, feel, oops, sorry. No, go ahead. I feel so bad for him. I just like, I'm reading it and I'm like, why do they hate him? He kills monsters and he like breaks curses. Why is he so hated? Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, the first, first story in the book, really. So this is kind of our first real introduction to the prejudice that witchers face. Mm-hmm. And the tricky situations that they're put in. So they provide an essential service. Mm-hmm. They take care of these beasts that would cause havoc and destroy, I don't know, other people otherwise. But they are super hated for it. And it it reminds me a little bit of just how like the human population in general treat people who have essential jobs. Like yeah. garbage people and janitors and sometimes healthcare workers. Like without them, you would have problems but somehow their jobs are still sometimes seen as like lesser or they're degraded for it or um, not seen as valuable or providing an essential service maybe, or like even just thinking now, like like the way that um, restaurant workers and things like that, Walmart employees were treated at the start of the pandemic when everyone was losing their minds. And really they're probably still losing their minds, but it, It just kind of reminds me of that. Like if we didn't have these people, you would have problems, but you're not going to treat them with respect or kindness either. Yeah. What is that? Superiority complex. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I hope, I think, and I hope that there's change happening with essential jobs. We see more support. I feel like. Mm -hmm for um people with essential jobs and a better understanding of it as well but yeah they also get treated pretty badly too so i hope that's changing i hope so yeah it doesn't change for carol though he is pretty well hated by humanity at large for the majority of the book that's sad it is sad poor carol i feel bad for him um so I was reading this and I don't think I'd heard I'd heard of a striga before. Is it like a werewolf? Wait, striga? No, Sorry. Striga. Yeah. No. It's um so on the TV show, the people who created the monsters have done this brilliant job with the striga. I would suggest looking it up. It's season or episode three. Um, but it's like the best way to describe it's like external look is what? It's like sinew and blood. And what's really great about the monster element in the show is they have this, like the placenta attached to it. So it's kind of like this thing that it carries, it drags around. Mm -hmm. Um, It's covered in blood. It's got hair. It's beastly claws, sharp teeth. Not, I mean, there's not like a snout or anything like a werewolf. It's like, it's a monster. And that's not a good description Okay. ferocious teeth, but it, it's not, it's not built or shaped like a wolf 
okay. this maw of sharp teeth and um, muscle and just covered in blood and gore. Sounds lovely. Let me see if I can pull up a picture of it and um, send it to you. But it, it, they, in this show, I'll try not to go back to the show too much because I know that we're not necessarily just talking about this show, but they, um, they did a really good job with the monsters, I think, mm -hmm. on the show. Um, we saw a bunch of new and different monsters in this book. Um, just like that we don't really normally that I haven't really seen before in some of the books that we've read you know you've seen the show so you've seen all these monsters I have not um, yeah but I liked I liked reading about them um, yeah and like seeing like new monsters that's always fun new lore stuff like that and I think most of this is based in like um, or a lot of the monsters are based on like Polish uh, mythology and stuff Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The author's from Poland, so yeah, a lot of it is based in their lore and mythology, which is interesting. The origin of the Strga is horrible. So, um, this is a cursed child, basically, Foltest, the king, impregnates his sister. So we have some lovely incest vibes here, um, which in itself wouldn't be the thing that created this monster but I guess somebody wasn't pleased with the king being in love with his sister and so they cursed her and that is what um, Ada dies in childbirth and the Strga is born um, and is I guess the situation is relatively quiet for about seven years but when the child turns seven that's when it starts attacking people so it's really, I mean, I like that too, that, that element of new monsters and things like that, that we see, I feel like Polish, um, lore mythology is not referenced in a lot of the things that we've read up to this point. So it's pretty cool. Um, I, <laughs> Geralt, um, is placed in a really difficult situation in this story. So he's told of all of the people who've come before him, who've tried to defeat the Striga and haven't been able to. And if he kills it, then Foltest will have him killed. But it's an almost impossible situation to survive. And I think this is, this is just one situation that we see with the Witcher, with Geralt, where he's put in a situation that it's like, well, if I do this, then I'll die. But if I don't do this, then I might die for a completely different reason. So. Yeah, we see that. Um, well, it's interesting. There doesn't Foltis say at some point, like, I won't begrudge you if you have to, like, yeah, do it for self-defense. Mm -hmm. He also says that he believes that his daughter is suffering. Yeah. So... Yeah. yeah. And then he, and he's concerned about her too. Like, mm -hmm. do you, will she be able to be normal if the curse is broken? I mean, if you've lived 14 years as a monster, 
the likelihood of being normal after it seems seems low yeah seems like there might be some struggles there well um Carol um asks you know kind of closer to the end how the princess is doing and they say oh you know she's a princess she's rather dull-witted yeah like okay going with that yeah um yeah so we have this adventure with this Draga and he he manages to um defeat the curse right so he tricks it and he he uses one of the king's advisors as bait and this this sort of subplot exists in the tv show too it's just a little bit different um, but one of his advisors is trying to create unrest with Voltus, with his uh, with his people, so that he can unseat the king. And so Geralt uses this guy as bait to draw the Strigga out. And then he climbs into her tomb and waits out the dawn. But he climbs out uh, when the rooster has crowed, and he goes to check on the princess, who's turned back into a human, except not completely and she stabs him in the throat uh with her still clawed striga hand and really badly injures him so he makes this sort of careless mistake which uh becomes a point of concern in another short story yeah because he almost dies yeah, he almost bleeds to death. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. This is something that happens in the show too. She stabs him in the throat. And so he like bites the princess in the neck. Yes. <laughs> why? Just grabs a hold and bites <laughs> in. I didn't, I still don't completely understand why. If it's to, is he asserting dominance? Is he trying to subdue her? What's happening? But this happens on both points. He bites her really hard in the neck. I don't know. Maybe it was just like he couldn't think of anything else to do. So he bit right. it. Self-defense. Just yeah. whatever you got at that point. Um, yeah. So he bites her back. Ugh. The curse is broken. But Geralt mm-hmm. is super injured at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the next short story, A Grain of Truth. Um, so characters... Again, we have Geralt, of course. Um, he also has this horse very prominently featured in this one, whose name is Roach. Um, and he runs into a beast named Novellin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the beast has a bear-like head with enormous ears. And then there's Verena, who is the beast's girlfriend, but also a Bruxa. Yeah. Bruxa? Bruxa. Bruxa. Yeah, so while making his way through the forest, Geralt runs across a young woman and an older man, both of whom have been murdered. And so the young lady is holding uh, a dark blue rose and has bite marks on her neck that are not from a wolf, which is suspicious. And so Geralt begins to make his way through the forest towards this tower and he runs into this mysterious girl slash monster in the forest who flees. And then he finds a courtyard belonging to a manor um, and it features a rose bush with the dark blue roses, right? 
And so it seems like the manor is deserted, but Geralt's senses tell him otherwise. And so a beastly creature that looks like part bear, part boar, rushes from the manor and attempts to scare Geralt away, but Geralt doesn't easily scare. He discovers that this creature named Nivellen has been cursed to appear this way and to be alone. So over time, locals nearby started to bring their daughters to stay with Nivellen in exchange for a large dowry because he was lonely and he was willing to give up some of his money for company. Uh, but eventually that became tiresome to him because they never stayed. One day, though, a girl called Verena came to stay with him and he no longer desired the company of local girls. And so Geralt realizes that this girl is likely a monster. And Nivellen is also aware of this too, but Geralt decides just to leave him to his fate. However, while making his way back through the forest, Geralt realizes that Verena is the creature who must have killed the man and woman in the forest and likely all of the other people that Nivellen turns away. And so he returns to Nivellen's only to run into Verena, who is a Bruxa. And so we have a showdown. What will become of Verena and Nivellen? And so in the show, this story is the basis for episode one of the second season. And with this episode in the show, they did a lot of playing with the plot to make this story fit in with what was actually happening in the TV show plotline. And I think the showrunner, Lauren Hisrick, said that this was her, her favorite, um, her favorite short story of the ones that are written. So. What did you think of this one? I really liked this one. <clears throat> we get to see Geralt. He's kind of funny, right? Yeah. I was not expecting that. And he gets kind of funnier as the book goes along. <clears throat> I feel like anyway. Mm -hmm. But was super not expecting it. Um, and the conversation and banter between him and Novellan was clever. Um, Novellan cracked up. He was always saying, oh, pox. Mm -hmm. Right which was good but um so this is clearly like a beauty and the beast right retelling yeah. sort of and um i wasn't a hundred percent sure how we're supposed to feel about novellan because in this he was cursed because he raped someone he raped mm -hmm. a woman right and in yeah. you know the like beauty and beast that we know it's because of hubris that the beast was cursed right mm -hmm. um so I'm sort of like, are we trying to hope for his curse to be lifted? Are well, I was like, mm, are we supposed to be rooting for him? I'm not totally sure how I feel. Um, because he's a rapist. But <laughs> you know, he's kind of funny. I was like, oh, this is uh conflicting feelings, I think, about mm -hmm. this. Um yeah. yeah. There's almost this sort of casual attitude in this story to his because he rapes the priestess in a tower she's mm -hmm. the one that curses him and mm -hmm. then kills herself as she's being raped which is brutal um and so we have that backstory on him but in in the actual like as the story's taking place it's almost i wouldn't say it's 
it doesn't carry the uh, weight that we typically associate or that I typically would associate with the story featuring someone who had been raped, which is kind mm-hmm. of, it's weird. Like, like you said, that, that weird sort of conflicting feeling going on. Cause like we have this banter, we have these, these funny moments between them, but still it's like, well, why would you want to help him break this gar- curse? Geralt, I feel like he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think in the books that we normally read, right. Cause most of the books we read are written by women. So we mm. normally get that perspective of it whereas this is kind of the perspective of the you know the man the rapist side um and maybe just how it you know in this how they perceived it happening now it's interesting because later on he says like all the women so um you know the people would come and drop off their daughters and they'd stay for a year and he'd have sex with them Um, and he says that they were all willing, mm-hmm. but they're also trapped with him for a year. I'm just, yeah. And the fact that he talked about the rape so casually mm-hmm. makes me question him. Yeah. Like, but, but did they like, yeah. Every time, not every time, I guess when he would have sex with them, he would like look to see if his curse had been broken right because it was something about blood and love right which is a curse but he didn't completely remember it um so he would look to see if he had changed back into his human form mm-hmm. um and in my head i just had this picture of so you know in pinocchio when he grows like ears mm-hmm. and like look that's i just pictured like pinocchio running to the mirror and looking to see I don't know why nope still a monster <laughs> but in my head that's that's what I was picturing mm-hmm. and I don't know why especially because yeah. he's not even described as having like donkey ears or anything no he's described as kind of like a mix between like a bear and a boar and um right. I have I have a hard time picturing as any as anything else now because that I, I've seen the tv show um and I, I feel like they did a good job with the effects on creating this character, but he does look more like a boar on the show. Yeah. So. With, um, we find out that he actually, at this point, doesn't want his curse to be broken because this um, Verena, mm-hmm. right? Originally, they start thinking she's a Ruska? Roska. Rusalka. Rusalka. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. Um, and they're traditionally, and I'm, I don't, I've never heard them spoken before. So yeah, I'm guessing here. <laughs> yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good, Vicky. <laughs> um. So apparently, traditionally, they are very like wary of humans. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want to scare her off. So he wants to keep his curse. Mm-hmm. And of yeah. course, this, you know. Um, ends in you know it turns out that she's a bruxa and it ends in her death yeah well she's this is the the first creature that's not abandoned him you know Mm -hmm. Um, the people or the the men in nearby villages would bring their daughters and leave them with him for a year but it was in exchange for money Mm -hmm. 
um this is the first creature that's ever come and stayed with him and he hasn't had to give away anything for that to happen um but it's the first creature who's choosing to stay with him too and she doesn't care that he looks like a monster so i could see why he would want to stay that way Mm -hmm. um I would want to stay this way because he has magic. I don't, it doesn't sound like he had magic abilities before he became a monster. Um, but as this bear boar beast, he can summon food and light candles and make hot water anytime he wants and whatever. And if I had a magical power that would let me snap my fingers and bring food to me, I can't tell you how much simpler that would make my life (laughs) how convenient Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so Verena is a Bruxa so we have different monster from the Striga that we just saw so Bruxa is kind of like a vampire but not she has fangs she feeds on blood but she also, I believe, can sort of like manipulate sound. And she's beautiful. The Striga obviously was terrifying and ugly. So the Bruxa can um, manipulate sound and she's not terrifying like a, a Striga is. Um, so it's like a, a vampire, but she she is able to make really loud and strong sounds. Um, And she like so strong that the sound waves knock Geralt down. They knock him into a wall, almost incapacitates him. So that's, that's a little bit different. In one of the conversations that um, Novellan and Girl, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Gerald half. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, that they have. Um, Novellan says, well, there are more and more witchers and fewer and fewer monsters. And this is the first time that we see, I think, well, it's only the second story, but we get this hint that his profession is kind of going to be dying out soon because there aren't as many monsters to kill and collect rewards on. Mm-hmm. And he might be out of a job soon. Yeah. We also get a little more information about why witchers are hated. So I would like a story, like a prequel or something. Maybe it's out there. I don't know. About how, like, what it's like to be raised as a witcher. Because they abduct the children. Or, well, no. See, it's not that they abduct them, right? They're promised. Mm-hmm. It's the it's that problem. We'll talk about that later, I think, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they have children and then they basically experiment on them. Like they feed them herbs and stuff that would normally be and elixirs. Yeah. That would normally be poisonous, um, and experiment on them and turn them into monsters. Like this is what the general public kind of thinks of witchers. Yeah. According to Novellan anyway. So there is, there is, um another book of short stories Mm -hmm. i think it's called the sword of destiny it's the next book after this um and i do think that there is actually more information about how witchers are made in that one um you mentioned this 
just a few minutes ago. Um, but we, in this story, we see Geralt being pretty chatty and helpful. He talks to Roach, which I guess would be a normal thing if you don't really have any friends and your constant companion is a horse. Um, so he talks to Roach. And at some point in this book, he mentions how when witchers are trained, they're basically trained to forget or to stop having emotions. Um, their job is to take care of the monsters, slay them, and then get out. And that's it. He talks about the code that witchers have a lot. But what we see starting in this story, especially, and a little bit in the last one where he helps to break this curse that the girl is under, is that sticking with that code is hard for Geralt. He wants to be helpful, right? They're discouraged from being helpful and getting like an interfering with human affairs. But yeah. Geralt struggles. He says, I think it's in like the in-between chapters, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's talking to Iola. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole ch- chapter of it. And I think that's where he tells her about how when he first yeah, graduated um yeah he helped a man and his child but they ran away from him and then he was like well okay yeah <laughs> now I kind of get it so he yeah yeah but he still hasn't lost that <laughs> sense of wanting <laughs> to help people yeah yeah He's like don't trouble yourself with humans mm-hmm. and he tells himself and he tells other people like I have this code I'm not gonna do this but then he can't stick with his code <laughs> and he does it anyway Mm. yeah um so this story ends with Geralt uh realizing that Verena is actually the one killing the people in the forest which is a problem and he fights Verena and he kills her and it is super metal her death uh Nivellen stabs her with a spear the big old spear and she's not dead dead she drags herself down the spear towards him and is it's something like if i can't have you no one can have you um and it's like she's gonna bite him and kill him and i think Geralt cuts her head off um which is just brutal but it it ties it back in with his with um novellan's curse the love and blood thing because mm-hmm. Verena loved him and if she couldn't have him didn't want anyone else to so his curse is broken and he can go on living his happy little rapist life Mm -hmm. apparently yeah yeah and and yeah these I mean I think he loved Verena too, though. So it's yes, he did, which is why I think that's why it broke the curse, right? He loved her, and she had to die, and he loved him, and she died, and love and blood, right? Now, I still find it hard to be sympathetic towards him. Yeah, but just me. (laughs) Yeah. What? Yeah. So that's so that's that one. No, I mean I totally agree. That's that one. (laughs) Um, in they're not as Geralt and Geralt's not as cavalier about the the whole rape thing in the TV show. Oh, good. Yeah, 
yeah because he put, it, I appreciate I mean I think uh, some of this might be just related to the context of the way that this and the time period that this book so this book was written in the 80s right yeah which is crazy because that's like 40 years ago how is that 40 years ago it still feels like it should be 20 years ago I like know. it's still 2000 it is still the year 2000 I don't care it is yeah so um I know yeah so m- there may be some context things that affect the way that this is talked about in this story yeah it's also it's written by a man and we do there's more of it later on I made some notes about it too of this like casual sort of sexism I guess in parts of it yeah nobody like it's just like ah whatever it's normal a little misogyny yeah yeah just a little it's yeah and I'm (laughs) not trying to be like I don't know say anything against the book it's you know yeah it's just what it is perhaps it is also that obviously this is a fantasy novel Uh um and perhaps in this sort of environment women's rights and equality are perhaps not a thing Mm -hmm. that the village folk would care about yeah perhaps sexual assault is just sort of par for the course which is terrible but alrighty so that's that one next the next short story is the lesser evil so again for our characters we have Geralt then we have Caldeman he's the sort of like mayor elected official of the town that they're in and he's actually kind of friends with Geralt um at least he's greeted warmly by him which is different we have Stregobor, I guess. He is a wizard and um, an acquaintance of girls. And then we have Renfrey, who is, this is basically like Snow White, and she wants revenge on Stregobor for trying to kill her. Yeah. So, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No. No, no, you go. Okay. So in this story, Geralt makes his way to Blaviken with the body of a Kikimura strapped to a donkey in search of the alderman uh, who he hopes to get some money from in exchange for his kill. And so he finds his old friend, Calderman, who says he has no need for a Kikimura, but the town wizard might. And so they go to the wizard's keep and are turned away initially, but when Geralt identifies himself he is suddenly welcomed and it turns out the local wizard is a sorcerer called Stregobor who has known Geralt for some time. Stregobor is hiding in Blaviken after being traced there by a woman called Renfri with her band of murderous dwarves. Um, She is out for revenge against Stregobor for basically ruining her life. And Stregobor pleads with Geralt for him to kill her because it would be the lesser evil because Renfri is part of a prophecy that will see the end of the world. Geralt declines and leaves. But that night he runs into Renfri and her gang in a bar and he asks to speak with her. He's met with hostility, but later that night she sneaks into his room and explains her purpose and why she intends to kill Stregobor. Geralt asks her to give up 
her revenge and Renfri asks him to kill Stregobor because it would be the lesser evil. Renfri concedes to give up her mission, but Geralt wakes the next morning and realizes that he has been duped. And so without his intervention, he worries that there will be slaughter in the town marketplace. What's a witcher to do? So this is the first episode of the first season, isn't it? Yes, it is. This is the one I've seen. Okay. (laughs) I have seen this like (laughs) twice now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I think this is the perfect way to open up this, like this TV series. I think this was a perfect episode to pick to open it up. Mm -hmm. So this is the first episode. Season one is based on this story. Um, like you said, we have kind of that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs thing, except um, Snow White is out for uh, revenge and the dwarves are like bloodthirsty, murderous brigands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a dark, it's a dark Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It is. Which I'm here for. I'm here for it. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with this at all. Yeah, no, I liked the story. It was good. I liked the murderous Snow White. It was fun. Um, so though I found it interesting. So we're on the third story now. And so far, all of the like bad guys, right, have been women. Mm-hmm. And but also the men all sucked too. I mean, we had yeah. in story one, incest, book two, or story two, rapist, book three, Strigobor tries to slaughter a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. This whole thing about that they were mutated and stuff. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. I don't believe him for a second. Prophecy. No. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I hate Stregobor. And I hate him in the show, too. Like, so much. Hate him so much in the show. The guy that they have playing him in the show is perfect, though, because he looks like someone that I would want to hate. So, um that's cast well um what's interesting about this story is that we see Geralt like actually having a friend mm-hmm. so he's been met with a lot of hostility up until this point he is a little bit friendly with Novellan in the second story but this is someone who's actually like acquainted with Geralt and doesn't immediately meet him with hostility Yes, he has a friend. Now, his um, his friend's wife doesn't particularly like him. No. Though. No, Lupushi. She thinks that Geralt is a troublemaker. And it's hard. I mean, when your job is killing monsters, how do you not just kind of bring trouble with you everywhere that you go? Yeah. We're literally looking for the troublemakers. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like that's unfair to Geralt. I agree. But whatever. Well, I feel so bad because at the end he loses his friend. Yeah. Although his friend is kind of gross too. He says, huh? He's a bad friend. Yeah. Well, at one point he says, women don't have a say in my house. You get out of here. Yeah. He needs better friends anyway, if that's what his friends are like. He deserves better. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he he strolls into town and he is he meets with Stregobor. Um 
And I, this interaction with him, with Stregobor is just Geralt basically calling Stregobor out for being garbage, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he runs in and Stregobor is like a fair weather friend, I guess. Um, Cause Geralt shows up and Stregobor, who wasn't going to see him until he figured out who it was. is like, Oh, I need your help. You're so capable. You're so great. Help me kill this girl. Who's got internal mutations that nobody knows about until we kill them and do autopsies on them. And then we find them because of this random prophecy. And then it's just Geralt calling Stregobor out with like one thing after the other. He says some of my favorite things in this one. So he says, um, you're talking nonsense while making wise and meaningful faces. Can't you speak normally? I was not expecting the level of sass <laughs> that he gives off, like <laughs> at all. Yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised by his sense of humor and um his sassiness I guess especially in this story yeah he uh points out that he has been roped into an adventure with Stragabor before and he got ran out of town threatened with murder and they didn't even pay him but now Stragabor is suddenly saying he can't do this without him and he needs his help and whatever he's like excuse you I'm gonna pass Mm mm-hmm yeah. And then he criticizes the prophecies. So Stregobor's actions and his attempts to um, kill Renfri are based on this prophecy uh, with the return of Lilith, which is going to result in basically the end of the world. Um, and so do you want to read this comment? I think that you you made this note. With yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So um, he says to Stregobor, um, it doesn't rhyme. All decent predictions rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's perfect. And then he mm-hmm. follows it up with, you took a madman's ravings to strengthen your own authority, to break up alliances, ruin marriage allegiances, and stir up dynasties. In a word, to tangle the strings of crowned puppets even more snap snap sir like Geralt is not here for your crappy like pleading and um the stupid prophecy it doesn't even rhyme (laughs) (laughs) I I also like uh, um he says to Stregobor something about you should have left like the murdering of the women to somebody smarter and foreseen these consequences Mm -hmm. Like, probably you shouldn't have murdered, like, a whole bunch of women, but, you know, still, like, that he was sort of, like, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, ugh, I just can't stand Stregobor. Mm-hmm. He brings up this this point, and it, this is, like, a big point in the, um, in the show, too, about how killing Renfrey would be the lesser evil. And I know that you have some feelings about that. I do. I hate his. Because Geralt's take is evil is evil, lesser, greater, middling. Um, 
he says, I, I haven't done only good in my life, but if I'm to choose between one evil and another, then I'd prefer not to choose at all. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> like to me, it seems kind of cowardly. Yeah. And also if evil is just evil in this case, and you know, he's supposed to be like killing monsters and preventing evil things. Shouldn't he kill both Stregobor and Renfrey? in that situation but Geralt doesn't kill people he kills monsters I know that monster is relative when you look at it in this context because Stregobor is a piece of garbage and a monster for all of the women that he has murdered because of this prophecy but he's not an actual monster I mean the book starts out with him murdering some men well yeah but they were attacking him so we see this this sort of conflict this is him trying to honor this code that he has a very hard time sticking to right you don't interfere with human affairs Mm -hmm. this is him trying to stay out of it yeah which he ultimately fails at because he can't stay out of it he can't stay out of any human affairs yeah he just keeps finding himself drawn back in because even so the big problem comes up is that he realizes that Renfrey is going to go into town or to market and it's going to end up being like a bloodbath right Mm. so he goes and kills her right fights her um results in her death but if he had just let it be Mm -hmm. right sure it would have been a bloodbath but it also wouldn't have been his responsibility and he would still have his friend right at the end of the also but, yeah sorry, he go couldn't ahead. leave it alone right yeah he couldn't and leave the it alone. thing is it may not have turned into a bloodbath at all because Rinfrey's plan was to go to Stregobar and basically hold the town hostage right mm-hmm. um, and Stregobar just didn't care he doesn't care about the people in the town he doesn't care if she kills them yeah and so her plan likely wouldn't have worked out the way that she there may not have been a bloodbath at all mm-hmm. but because Geralt couldn't stay out of it there was and what sucks is he didn't even really provoke this fight like these people so the dwarves are in town and planning to create chaos right they're planning to start per Renfrey's orders they're planning to start the bloodbath Geralt turns up and he's like I know what you're planning and I can't let you do this and so the dwarves end up being the ones that instigate the fight really mm-hmm. they attack first and so it, it doesn't matter to the people in Bavikin that these people were criminals and brigands one of them was part of another plot months ago that resulted in villagers being innocent villagers being killed it doesn't matter that these people are criminals and murderers Geralt and that they attacked first Geralt still kills these people and is vilified by the townsfolk and kicked out by his cowardly friend yeah I was conflicted with the story yeah I really liked it but it was I was disappointed in Gerald right 
I was disappointed with what happened with Renfrey. It was just, Stregobor should be dead. Yeah, I wish. And I think that's a tone. That's kind of a tone that um, you see carried out kind of in the show too. Almost the sense of like, so this ends up being kind of a learning, a learning experiment or a learning curve for Geralt. Mm -hmm. Because he, in the show, what we what we see is that he ends up carrying a piece of Renfrey with him. She has this brooch um, that she stabbed someone with, and he ends up integrating it into his sword. So it's almost like we see, and not not necessarily in the book, but in the show, we see the impact that she has on him, and he carries it with him. Um, Stragobor does suck, and I hate him. Renfrey ends up being one of my favorite female characters in this in this book. Um, I am here for her mission to achieve revenge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, her stepmother came to Stregobor and told him, like her stepmother was the catalyst for all of the things that happened to Renfrey. So because of that, she lost her position as a princess. She was made homeless. She was raped because of her mother and Stregobor. Um, and assaulted multiple times had to um it sounds like she uh, engages in some prostitution at some point like is lives a hard life because of what i assume is and from what it sounds like is her stepmother basically wanting to get her out of the way to clear away for her children and so I'm here for this like string of she kills her um, stepmother. I think she kills her father too. She takes out the people that it reminds me of Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. Like she's got this list of people who did her wrong and she is checking them off. And Stregobor is the last one on her list. So I love this revenge plot. And mm-hmm. I'm sad that she dies. Yeah. Yeah, I wish it ended in her winning instead of Stregobor, who can now go on and continue being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, so part of why I think this ends up being a good first episode um, in the show is that it sets a good tone for the difficult decisions that this character Geralt has to make. Um, in many situations, it's like, do I get involved or do I stay the course? Do I interfere with human affairs and try to help in the ways that I can because he's a skilled fighter and he's good at killing people? Or do I let the humans just do what they're going to do and keep my nose down? And that's a conflict that he has throughout the rest of this story. You really see that highlighted in the TV show as well. Okay, so this is going to end up being quite a long episode. So what we're going to do is we are going to end this episode at the end of this short story, the third one, Um, and we'll release the second half of our discussion of The Last Witch later this week. So this is the first three short stories in The Last Witch. Join us later on. (music) 
Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.